Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Glad to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us on the program. Today is November the 2nd, 2023. Boy, it seems like this year has just flown by and the week is flying by too. Tomorrow we're gonna have Freedom Family Friday. The lovely Stephanie Peterson will be joining us tomorrow in studio for her regular Friday appearance. Good morning, love. I hope you're listening today. Kiss, 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 love, love. Uh, it's nice to have a little bit of love with the world so full of hate and anger and rage. But you know what? That's the news, them's the breaks. Let's cover it. Let's start with Gretchen Carlson on Fox News yesterday thinks that she's figured out the problem of gun crimes here in the United States. Well, let's just say that you're gonna be a little disappointed. Yeah, you know, Gretchen Carlson from Fox News. We'll play that clip real quick and then we'll talk about it and move on because frankly, we've got bigger fish to fry and that is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. apparently polls at 22%. What? Calm no, down, Joe. God, please, no, no. It may not be all bad no. news for no. President Joe Biden. The results may surprise you. Has a, about a little clickbait there for you. Speaking of clickbait, have you clicked the like button? How about the subscribe? If you're tuning into the Wake Up America show today for the first time, you're saying to yourself, wow, this guy's got a lot of energy. Great way to get my day started. And I get to learn about all kinds of new stuff that's going on in the world before anybody else knows it. It happens here on the Wake Up America show. By the time you hear it on your five o'clock news, it's already old news. Everybody knew the news because they watched the Wake Up America show. So make sure you subscribe so you can get it before everybody else and come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time here on the Wake Up America show. All right, do it. Just do it. Shia LaBeouf, do it.jpg. Uh, all right, Donald Trump, Vivek Ramaswamy. Is that the ticket to win in 2024? Some people say yay. Some people say... How dare you? Don't be upset. Obviously, there are still candidates in the Republican primary, and somebody might eke out a victory, although I think the chances are getting slimmer and slimmer. Don't be mad at me, DeSantis people. I like Ron DeSantis, and if he's the Republican presidential candidate, I'll definitely vote for him. But... <laughs> I wouldn't put my own money on it. Would you? Would you bet your own money at this point? I don't know. Anyways, we'll talk about that. I, I was supposed to have a guest on today at 7.30 a.m. Central Time, and it was all booked, but then he had to cancel because he had some kind of a, an issue and we were going to reschedule. And then he just messaged me five minutes ago and said, okay, I changed my mind. I think I can do it. Okay, great. So I guess we're going to have Zvi Waldman on the show today at 7.30 a.m. Central. Maybe, 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 yes, no, I'm not quite sure. Possibly, hopefully. Zewald will be here at 7.30 a.m. He's the head of the New York State Jewish Gun Club, which sounds like an oxymoron until you realize that there are more Jews now buying guns at gun shops reported across the nation than have been before. I was just reading an article this morning about the state of Georgia. Uh, apparently, the state of Georgia has been seeing more and more Jews coming into the gun shops uh, and buying guns. Well, but you know, wonder why, because you got people getting attacked, got hate crimes going on around the country. And before you say, Austin, there's no such thing as a hate crime and all that stuff. Yes, I know. There is a legal definition of a hate crime that the government uses to enforce on the rest of us, which of course we as libertarians and conservatives reject. But the law is the law, whether we agree with the law or not. We could say, of course, that the law isn't necessarily in, is not necessarily correlated to morality. And quite frequently these days, it is not. But, you know, it is the law that is the law, even if I don't like the law. There you go. If you're just tuning in, what's up, Kim McCurry? She says, I still have a meh feeling towards Vivek, but his stance on Israel-Palestine 
he may get a lot of anti-war votes. That's interesting. Yeah, it's been it's been you know very interesting to see what Vivek has had to say about Israel. Uh, Sign of Jonah says, "Sore loser," and I hate losing money. What are you guys talking about? Gambling? Oh yeah, making bets on candidates ah, for sure. Uh, where's everybody else today? How's Sign of Jonah doing? Studio three one four joining us. Blue Trike, what's up, Blue Trike? Uh, the Chroniclers is here with us today, and uh, so is our friend Joni Rankin. Have we seen Joni Rankin? Where's Joni Rankin? Camelia Peterson. She's going to be joining us on the show today. What's up, Camelia? And Floby Tenderson, one of my new favorite Twitter follows. Uh, Camelia is going to be joining us this morning at 8 a.m. Central Time. The economy is actually not too bad, but nobody's happy. What do you expect? It's just that's America. It's never good enough. But there is actually a good reason, and it's not the one that you might think. You might say, oh, well, it's just inflation, but there are some other factors that are contributing to American unease. We're going to talk about that with Camelia Peterson at 8 o'clock. Everybody loves to see the pretty lady. She joins us at 8 a.m. Pretty lady. She's joining us at 8 o'clock this morning, Central Time. Of course, she joins us every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 o'clock Central Time. That's the pretty lady time when we make the pretty try and make the pretty lady blush. And all the commenters try and get her phone number and drop a slide into her DMs because, well, she's the, the host with the most. Co-host? Maybe someday. Uh, at 8.30 a.m. today, unfortunately, no Daniela Pensack. I know. Some of you may have done what I said and, you know, set, a, set your calendars to fun and say, I come back Thursdays at 8.30 to see the lovely Daniela Pensack. She, unfortunately, will not be with us today. Uh, and I don't have a beautiful libertarian girl to replace her with. I am very sorry for that. So don't be angry at me. Don't be no, mad. Oh God! Don't run around no, screaming. God, please, no! No! Calm down. No! For the love of God, people, it's just a talk show, okay? Uh, but we're going to have Billy Binion from Reason Magazine on today. He is talking about the strange phenomenon of queers for Palestine. And Billy Binion, I'm pretty sure, is gay. So, I mean, I don't know. Try not to make these assumptions. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but he wrote a really good piece in Reason Magazine sort of commenting on the phenomenon of queers for Palestine. You know, queers on film. Austin, <laughs> it's getting weird already. We're going to have a great show for you today. And I can't wait to introduce to you some of our new guests that you've never seen before. I'm looking forward to introducing you to Zvia Waldman. And Billy Binion, both going to be joining us today, I think for the first time here on the show. Looking for it. Uh, you can text the show today at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show today at 573-319-1586. All right, let's get to this clip from Fox News anchor uh, Gretchen Carlson. She posted yesterday talking about AR-15s. You got to listen kind of carefully to what it is that she's trying to set up or what she's alluding to uh, and, and really think about it before you make a judgment. Because at first I was confused and then I was like, at first I was like, eh, and then I was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, OK, so, <laughs> let's go. So you might have seen the news story about my tweet regarding Ben Shapiro and his love of AR-15s. Big round of applause for the clever detectives who pointed out that technically a few ranchers and animal control people did own these guns before 2004. And since we're all big fans of math, here are more numbers that seem relevant. In 1992, AR-15s composed roughly 21 in every 100 firearms made in the U.S. By 2020, almost one in five guns made here were AR-15s. There are now more than 20 million AR-15s in people's closets and cabinets. Oh, and there's this. 
In 2023, there's been 560 mass shootings in our country, and we still have two months to go. This is not normal. A world where everyone has AR-15s is just a hell of a lot more dangerous than one where we don't. No, wait. Wrong button, for the love of God. No! Hit the boo button. God, please, no! No! Yikes. Austin, you need to drink a little bit more coffee, don't you, this morning? I forgot my coffee at home. You see, I hate this because you know that that I'd be missing my founding flavors. Coffee over at APforLibertyShop.com. People have been signing up for the monthly subscription of my coffee club, and I'm so happy because you know what that means? Steffi and I will not go through the winter being poor and hungry. We shall supply you with delicious coffee, sir. I'm not lying when I tell you that Founding Flavors Coffee are some of the most delicious coffees I've ever drank, and that's why I'm proud to bring them to you. Don't forget to visit AP4LibertyShop.com. You know it's cold outside, and baby, it's cold. When it's cold outside, you want to have some Founding Flavors Coffee to start your day. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, we don't care. <laughs> if you haven't tried Founding Flavors Coffee yet today, today's the day. Get yourself a bag. You don't have to sign up for the subscription plan right away, although I highly recommend it, especially because it makes a great holiday gift. Think about all the people in your life. If you're a conservative or libertarian, you must know another liberty lover in your life. Imagine showing up to the holiday party with a gift basket full of delicious Founding Flavors Coffee with beautiful iconography created by myself and my wife, Stephanie. Uh, of the founding fathers. And then they taste the coffee and they're like, damn, that's some good stuff. It's absolutely delicious. My number one top favorite is the Thomas's Painkiller, Colombian single origin, but we also have Revolutionary Roast by George Washington, Kathy Loy's favorite. We've got Franklin's Electric Elixir, which is like my close number two. I really love, make you number two. Uh, Jeffersonian Java, also delicious. And we've got all kinds of new exciting things happening with our coffee shop. Go to ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, and get yourself some delicious founding flavors coffee today. All right. What the hell? What, what the hell was Gretchen Carlson trying to say here? So she, first of all, she made a big mistake in assuming that we all like math. But let's listen just one more time and decode what the blonde is trying to say. So you might have seen the news story about my tweet regarding Ben Shapiro and his love of AR-15s. Okay, big round based. of applause for the clever detectives who pointed out that technically a few ranchers and animal control people did own these guns before 2004. And since we're all big fans of math, here are more numbers that seem relevant. Pause. Mm, nah, don't think. Uh, How dare you? Not a big fan of math. I mean, listen, I'm glad that it exists and it's, it keeps the universe going and, you know, makes this microphone work. And I'm able to bring you this talk show today because math. But that was your first mistake, Gretchen. Big mistake. In 1992, AR-15s composed roughly 21 in every 100 firearms made in the U.S., by 2020, almost one in five guns made here were AR-15s. There are now more than 20 million AR-15s in people's closets and cabinets. Oh, and there's this. In 2023... These are rookie numbers. we got to bump those numbers up. There's been 560 mass shootings in our country, and we still have two months to go. This is not normal. A world where everyone has AR-15s is just a hell of a lot more dangerous than one where we don't. Okay. Um, Where's my... If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're grateful and glad to have you here. Don't forget to click that like button and subscribe to the channel. And of course, do what Midwest Gunner has said and go out and buy an AR-15. Barney Stiles joining us in the house this morning. What's up, Barney? Nice to see you again. 
Glad to have you here. He wants them K-Cups so he can have a sample pack and try all the flavors in six months. Doing my best there. Katie556 says, dang it, AP, I was going to say those are rookie numbers. Amen. We love it, baby. We love it. <laughs> so more guns equals more crime. Gretchen Carlson, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. All right. Well, we've got a lot of great content for you on the show today. I want to talk about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in this poll that I saw. I w everything got messed up on the show today because of the guests come, you know, being gone and now being back. I actually saw this story that's trending online this morning, and I'm going to try and get to it a little bit later if I can sneak it in. But did you see this story about American birds that are going to be having their names changed to remove human monikers? Yeah, you can bet moniker means name. Um, <laughs> you can bet that the reason why I know that you can all guess it. Let's hear it from you right now. The reason why that the names of these birds are going to be changed is, you guessed it, racism. How dare you? I know, I know. Everybody's offended over everything. So lots of familiar bird names are going to be changed, like Anna's Hummingbird, Gamble's Quail, Lewis's Woodpecker, Baywick's Wren, Bullock's Oriole, and all that, because the American Ornithog Ornithological Society wants to change the, species, the names of the birds that are named after people because, and then any of course, bird names that are deemed offensive or exclusionary. Aww. If you were to bet racism was the reason why anything's name gets changed, you would win 100% of the time. You would win 100% of your time. So I've got that story on cue and I hope that I have time to get to it. But <laughs> David Lee 180 says, Blackbird. <laughs> <laughs> Blackbird fly. Definitely one of the not my favorite Beatles song there. Racist, racist, racist. Um Quest Payne will have the most caffeine. It's the blonde, right? No, no, no. Jeffersonian Java has the most caffeine, for those of you who are curious. That is the blonde blend there. So if you like the light roasts with lots of caffeine, then you want the Jeffersonian uh, Java. Yes. Uh Da Panda, first time I've seen him today. What's up, Da Panda? He says, woke gang is just trolling us at this point. You just got to ignore it. Um, that's definitely one take. I'm not sure I agree, though. Let's talk about the news, though. The big news. Spoiler alert. Poyle has... Poyle. Austin. See, I don't have my founding flavors. There's going to be a lot of screw-ups today. Poll has RFK Jr. grabbing 22% against Biden and Trump. Former Democratic candidate also got the backing of a plurality of independents in the Quinnipiac University survey he's running with the promise to spoil the 2024 presidential contest oh no robert f kennedy jr apparently might make good on that pitch a recent poll showed him with 22 percent support in a hypothetical three 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 way waste <laughs> three way waste three way waste oh my god awesome you see this is what happens if you don't drink founding flavors coffee you will sound like me double think think hard hard double double we tard sign of jonah says buy steffi a cup of coffee thank you sign of jonah for that rumble rant think think hard hard double double we tard anyways so so biden would take 39 percent of the vote and trump would come away with 36% according no, to the survey. God. No! Wait, God, what? Please, no! No! Wait, so, no. so Robert F. Kennedy Jr. would actually take more votes away from Donald Trump than Joe Biden? 
That seems a little bit far-fetched. Uh, however, before we let's let's get our facts straight before we uh, distort them. Uh, Kennedy came back with a he came back in this poll with a backing of a plurality of independents. Thirty-six percent chose him uh, of independents, compared with thirty-one percent for Trump and thirty percent for Biden. So essentially, a tie there between Trump and Biden on independents. The overall 22% doesn't uh, suggest, though, that he can break out of the two-party system and put his name on the Electoral College map next year as an independent. But the bigger threat his candidacy poses to Biden and Trump is the possibility that he might siphon enough votes away from one of them to flip what might be considered like a coin toss state, for example. This Quinnipiac poll uh, was uh, conducted October 26th through 30th, so very recent. And it suggests that Kennedy is actually pulling more support from Trump than Biden. Now, we have reason to be skeptical. However, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s super PAC has done some polling that also buttressed this fact. <laughs> you said but. Um, in a race between the two former presidents, the Quinnipiac poll projects a near dead heat. 47% of registered voters would support the Democratic incumbent over his Republican predecessors, 46%. So basically the same, right? That result matches many other head-to-head -head surveys from the last few months and suggests that Kennedy's independent candidacy has the potential to inject a further twist into what has long been depicted as a matchup of former presidents. So Kennedy was a leading choice for young voters, uh, 18 to 34, 38% of whom chose Kennedy from the same age group, 32% picked Biden and 27% picked Trump. Interesting. So what are the factors at play here when we consider this, right? Why is it? Let's, let's assume that these polls are correct. And I don't necessarily think that they are, but let's assume that they are and that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. pulls more from Donald Trump than he does from Joe Biden. Why do you think that that might be? Well, it could be because of the big, fat, giant, pointy elephant in the room, which is the vaccine. If you compare Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s stance on the vaccine to Donald Trump's stance on the vaccine, it might just be that a certain percentage of Donald Trump supporters don't who don't agree with with blah, 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 who don't agree with Donald Trump's stance on the vaccine may be making the leap to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So I, we all have been talking about this for quite some time. It'll be interesting to see how Donald Trump deals with the Operation Warp Speed issue, the vaccine issue with his voters, and whether or not those voters may be looking for another candidate. I mean, I, they don't go to Joe Biden, but I mean, if Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is on the ballot, that might be enough to, to swing it. That's If these polls are correct, that would be the top reasoning that I would believe that it would be possible that uh, that Trump voters, MAGA voters, would jump ship over to uh, a Robert F. Kennedy Jr. candidacy. Now, he can't get on the ballot in all 50 states. And this is something, a conversation that we have every four years is why can't Donald Trump get on the ballot or why can't, excuse me, why can't an independent get on the ballot in all 50 states? Well, libertarians can get on the ballot. The, as someone who's run for office and has you know, been in third party politics, I was a member of the Libertarian Party for 10 years and I did ballot access and I, I pretty much did everything you could from, from top to bottom in, in third party politics, including run for president myself. But my experience of that is an understanding of, of the amount of money and time that it takes to get on ballots. 
unless Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has a billion dollars, he's not getting on the ballot in all 50 states. The, the, the laws in many of these states in order to get on the ballots are so onerous to keep third party candidates off that the likelihood of him getting on all 50 ballots is between slim and none. I would put my money on it. I would bet, you know, I would bet a thousand dollars that Robert F. Kennedy Jr., even if he had a billion dollars to spend, would not uh, be able to get onto the ba- all 50 states' ballots. Just because, again, if, if the Republicans or Democrats see him as an actual threat, those two parties are going to collude. And since they control the state's government, so they control the electoral systems, they're going to vote to ensure that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. doesn't make it on the ballot. Some states are trying to throw you know, Donald Trump off the ballot, prevent him from being on the ballot, like Colorado and other states. So these are um, these are issues when it comes to third party candidates that they have to deal with. So the thing is, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he doesn't have to get on the ballot in all 50 states in order to make a difference. He just has to get on the ballot in states like Pennsylvania or Georgia or other key states, Arizona, in order to, to tip the balance and make a difference between himself and and uh, uh, John and um, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. But does Robert F. Kennedy Jr. take away from Trump voters more than Biden? I don't have any data to back this up. This is just my gut. Take it for what you will. This is just my anecdotal data from working in politics for, you know, 15, 20 years almost now. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think that, uh, that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. takes more from Donald Trump. Does he take some from Trump? Sure. The problem with the vaccine issue is this. It's a very online issue, okay? And the internet is not real life. We, uh, and I have to do this uh, to my friends, like even my closest friends, like Camelia and, and, and my wife, Stephanie, to talk to them about this. This is something that I want to help you to think about whenever you're looking at the world through your lens, is that you guys are not, it's not real life, because you look at the world, if you're very online like me, and I, if, you, if you figured out how to get on rumble.com and open up a podcast like this, you're probably already like, you're probably in like the top 30% of the population in terms of technology usage, right? You get up early, you open up rumble.com slash AP for Liberty, and you're watching the, the Wake Up America show. Or if you're listening to the audio podcast version of this, which you should download, by the way, uh, in case you missed the morning show live. Uh, then you're already probably in the top 30% of technology users, right? And then when you consider people who have been following the vaccine debate online on like twitter.com, that's probably maybe the top 15% of technology users. And then you have to consider how many of these people actually vote. Well, maybe they're a little bit more committed than the average American citizen. But here's the, the sad reality. Maybe it's not that sad if you think about it, but most people don't vote. Most people don't vote. And if most people don't vote, and you think about, wow, there's so many people online who agree with me about Donald Trump and Operation Warp Speed and the vaccine, and they're going to vote for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I saw an internet poll, and it had 150,000 votes, and all of them said, I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. I'm going to vote for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Well, how many of those people are going to get stoned and stay home, forget that there's an election, uh, actually show up, car's going to break down? I mean, the numbers of people when you actually look at the people who are very online versus the people who are the, the percentage of the general population, I mean, what we might call normies, they don't care. They're not, they're not, they're not living the life that you and I are living, right? 
you, you look around, it's kind of like that movie They Live, right, with Rowdy, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, where he takes off the glasses and he sees like the zombies or the aliens and he realizes that they're aliens. Like if you're very online, it's kind of like that. You have to take your glasses off and see the world for what it is. And the problem with people like yourself, I'm, I'm going to guess that you're probably, if you're watching the Wake Up America show, not to just sort of self-congratulate here, but you're probably like 10 points higher on the IQ average than most people, right? This is not a talk show for retards. This is a talk show for big brain stuff. And when I say big brain stuff, yeah, we do talk pop culture and sex and drugs and make jokes and fart jokes and things like that for sure. But it's not your average. I mean, it's not good morning America, right? It's you're probably 10 points higher. The problem with people who have a little bit higher IQ, like the listeners of this show, I'm guessing the problem with with people like yourself is that you see the world through your own lens and you don't realize that most people don't see the world the way that you do, right? Most people who are pretty normal, they don't see the world that you do. So be careful about, you know, confirmation bias and thinking, oh, if, if I can see it, other people can too. Very, very rare. Very, very rare. You're If you're in the top 30% of, of internet users and, and if you're 10 points IQ higher points on average higher, Probably many of you who watch this show are a even a little bit higher than that, I'll be honest, because we're talking about very, very niche politics, this show. Um, you know, I try and build it for a broader audience, but of the 300 people who are watching us live right now, I mean, you're probably smarter than the average bear. And so again, the mistakes that people who are more intelligent make, uh, it's kind of like Albert Einstein, brilliant, genius, rocket scientist, you know, brings us, you know, E equals MC squared, right? The the, the uh, life, the universe, and everything. Wrote an article about how why he's a socialist. Okay, so so intelligent people can make are good at justifying their stupid ideas. So be careful of falling for those traps and those confirmation biases. When you see polls like these, or when you think, oh, well, if a lot of people online say it, that must mean the public at large is like that. But the public at large is not like us. The public at large is very different from us. And that's okay, but just be careful of doing that. And remember, you know, use your glasses from They Live to see the world as it is. All right, Zvi Waldman. He is the head of the New York State Gun Club, Jewish Gun Club. And he says, it's time for Jews to arm up. Mount up, cowboys, regulators! One G Nate Dog had to regulate. We'll be right back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel if you're enjoying the content that you're hearing today. And remember, the Wake Up America Show streams live Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. So set your calendars to fun and join us five days a week for the most fun you can have talking about freedom in the mornings. All right. Speaking of freedom and the Second Amendment, yeah, I know you guys are all still cringing from that clip that I played of Gretchen Carlson earlier, where she's like, essentially more guns equal more crime. I don't think so, but even if it did, still not gonna surrender my Second Amendment rights. And more people seem to agree. This article I'm reading this morning, a Georgia gun store is saying that more Jewish Americans are buying guns amid the Israel-Hamas war. Probably not a bad idea. Rampant anti-Semitism on the march. Attacks have been stepping up around the world, including here in the United States. Thank God for the Second Amendment. Joining us now to discuss the Second Amendment, and maybe a little about God, is Zvi Waldman. He's joining us live right now. He's the founder of the New York State Jewish Gun Club. Good morning, Zvi. Hi, good morning, and thanks for having me, Austin. 
Sure. Thank you very much for joining us, V. Um, your reaction to seeing more Jewish Americans buying guns? Look, people saw the images coming out of Israel. You know, we grew up seeing these type of images in history books and in museums. Unfortunately, it's now on our Twitter feeds. It's on Instagram feeds. People need to feel safe. Thank God for America. Thank God for a country where the right to bear arms is in our constitution and it's protected by our constitution. So, Zvi, when you see these, these things happening around the country and you see people being attacked on, on college campuses, the violent threats, you saw that, that article that I sent you yesterday about the Cornell student who was arrested yeah. for making terroristic threats. I mean, is that making the case? Are you seeing more people in the Jewish community maybe starting to thaw a little bit on their gun rights? I have seen people that I would never imagine to own guns are coming forward now and owning guns. People living in Manhattan, people who are in the, I would say, not not conservative, you know, minded, um, people who are probably voting Democrat. Um, I I see those people even changing their minds. So people are having a rude awakening, and they're coming to realize what the Second Amendment is for. As V, there's been a lot of conflict uh, about the Jewish position when it comes to firearms over the years. Uh, I saw that a Jewish Democrat by the name of Mayim Bialik, she's a, a Hollywood actress, was talking about the other day, she says that she didn't think that this is what decolonization would look like. She's been shocked by the amount of rage and hatred and violence that's been directed at the Jewish people since this October 7th attack. Do you think it's reasonable to assume that more Jewish Democrats might be starting to feel the same way? Look, when when things are tough, right? When times are hard, the true colors show, right? If you want to know who your true friends are, you wait till you are in crisis and you see who comes to help you, right? And I think this event shows it. It brings that. It's when the system is stressed, everyone is upset, emotional. Look at, look then who sticks around to be next to you, who helps you. And I think, you know, what has plays out you know, kind of brings out that point. And, um, and, 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 and yes, people are realizing that when it comes to hatred, it doesn't really matter where on the spectrum you are in, in religious, in belief, and, you know, in your Jewishness. People who hate us will hate us no matter if we are all the way in the left side spectrum politically or we are all the way on the right. And, the bright side of all of this, it's uniting the Jewish community in a way we have never seen before. Now, Azvi, when you look at the uh, what's happening on college campuses, you're seeing many Jewish millionaires and billionaires pulling their funding from these college campuses. They've been funding this left-wing activism for a number of years, and, and so many of them now seem surprised that intersectional politics, which sees the world as oppressors and the oppressed, has now turned its back on the Jewish people, which you might assume would be you know, the oppressed. But there's a lot of confusion around this concept of the Jewish people and whether or not they're oppressors or oppressed. When I look at the, you know, just from a pure numbers perspective, I think we're not even at pre-Holocaust levels in terms of the Jewish population in the world. I think there's 16 million people, 16 million Jewish people in the world, correct me if I'm wrong, and I think 1.9 billion Muslim people in the world. So even by the left's own definition of oppressor or oppressed, I think that they're, that they're entirely confused about who the oppressors might be. Nonetheless, the question of, of the 
of whether or not Jewish people, you know, exercising their, their right to bear arms is a popular one. If I were to guess, Zvi, I would guess that probably most Jews in the United States probably don't agree with you and I on these issues. Right. Is, that, is that a fair assessment? It's, it's very possible. So there's two things. In general, right, when people pose me the question that there's a lot of Jewish people out there that are opposing the Second Amendment, right? Um, I would tell them, come to my neighborhood in Rockland County, New York, and we're a very high um, population of Orthodox Jews, and the Second Amendment is very, very strong. Okay. Um, yes, there are those people that are Jewish that do not oppose that oppose the Second Amendment, but most of them are liberal leaning, right? But this event has kind of united everyone in terms of everyone feels threatened the same. A lot of people who were traditionally opposing it are now starting to think about it, or their views have shifted because they realize. That at the end of the day, 911 cannot be there everywhere. 911 is not a solution. It's more like a hope and a prayer. As good as you think government is, they could fail. In a time of crisis, okay, in a time of crisis, like what happened in Israel, the system can get overwhelmed. And there's a reason why, the, why our founding fathers put that into the Second Amendment, put the Second Amendment into the Constitution. Certainly, for sure. If our listeners are just tuning in to the Wake Up America show just now, uh, glad to have you here. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel if you're enjoying the content that you're hearing. I'm your host, Austin Peterson, here on the Wake Up America show, and I'm speaking to Zvi Waldman. He is the head of the New York State Jewish Gun Club, and he's joining us this morning to talk a little bit about rising anti-Semitism in the world and why uh, the Jewish community should consider arming themselves. Um, Talk to us a little bit about the New York State gun laws. I mean, you've got not only the hurdle of convincing your fellow Jews, it's now's a good time to get into, uh, you know, the AR-15 business, maybe buy themselves an AR-15, but can they even own one in the state of New York, I guess is the question. So under the current law, you cannot own any, you cannot, sorry, you cannot purchase any semi-automatic without a license. So not even a Ruger 1022, Ruger PC carbine, or like a, a Celtic Sub 2000, Regular. The only thing you can walk in, do the standard FBI background check, and walk out with is a shotgun or a lever action. I think this is ridiculous. This does not make any sense. This flies in the face of the Constitution and also in the Bruin decision that the Supreme Court ruled on last session. For sure. And we do certainly hope that they take on more of these cases and start to push back. But the governor of New York has been a thorn in the side of gun owners and um, and constitutionalists in the state of New York. Uh, it, it's certainly been a uh, you know frustrating to watch from afar how our friends in New York have constantly been on the the uh, you know the defensive in taking back our gun rights. Do you think that the Supreme Court is gonna is giving you guys any hope that you might be able to push back again, or do you expect this to be a constant battle here? Look, I'm hoping that um, the next time a case goes in front of the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court realizes the 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 shtick they're playing and the, and their tantrums they're throwing, and they'll put in strong wording into their their briefs to make it clear once and for all that the Second Amendment is just like the First Amendment. I don't need to have a license before I post on Facebook or on X. I don't have any limits how many posts I can do a day. I can speak freely, I should be able to protect myself freely without any government intervention. 
Zvi, I'm uh, not Jewish. My wife is. So uh, as a Gentile, I do uh, frequently have conversations with the Jewish community through her connections. Uh, and many of them are liberal Democrats, and a lot of them, they their eyes raise, and you know they kind of give me a look when they find out about how many guns I have and how much I love them. What are some good arguments that a Gentile might be able to use, or like just at least some good debate points to bring up with the Jewish community and help to convince them and why they should arm themselves and defend themselves and take advantage of their rights? Look at other countries that has gone from confiscation um, where they ended up, the amount of oppression those governments end up doing. Um, you know, it just look up now. I mean, I, you know, in, in China, you know, I, I can bet you there's a bunch of people working in the factories over there sweating away that would love to have Second Amendment, would love to have the right to stand up. You know, it's an important, it's an important aspect. You know, again, to make it clear, it's not that the Constitution grants it to us. The Constitution protects it. It's a God-given right. Every person has to has the ability to to live freely, to feel safe, and to feel that they, they do not have to rely on the government for their self-protection. Everyone is empowered to protect themselves. And that's an incredible feeling that unfortunately the New York governor and the New York political system is denying from people. Uh, Zvi, it's uh, it's great to talk to you. You're the head of the New York State gun, Jewish Gun Club. You're convincing, trying to convince more Jews to get involved in taking advantage of their rights here in the United States. And we certainly wish you well along those lines. We do believe in the Second Amendment here in the United States that all people should exercise their rights. And seeing people like yourself making uh, inroads in that community uh, is definitely heartening to see. Can you tell people a little, a little bit more about your work with the New York State Jewish Gun Club and uh, maybe share with us a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish there with the group? Yeah, so it was around 2017 after the shooting of Pittsburgh at the Tree of Life Synagogue. Um, when I wanted to start learning, you know, to become better with my, with my pistol, I started going to the range and I realized most of the classes were not on the Sabbath. As an observant Jew, I cannot take those classes. Um, so every time I went to the range, I saw someone in my community. I wrote down their name on a piece of paper, started making a list. When I had enough you know, names, I called the instructor. We started arranging private classes. Now, after a while, we decided just let's put everyone on this one social media group, you know, and we called it gun training. And then after a while, we gave an official name and it grew. We gave it, we created a logo, we created a website, and now we have probably close to probably 700 members. Um, we help people with firearms. People call us all the time, like, hey, I'm new to, how, where do I start? We give them the paperwork, we, we guide them through the, the application process, and then we have we arrange constantly different types of, of classes for different levels. And I work people all the way up to having the ability to be armed in the synagogue and learn all the tactics they need to be able to be part of a security team. And I'm just out there to create a, a, a healthy and a fun, exciting, like Jewish gun culture that people feel welcome, they can relate to. And yeah, it's been an incredible journey of meeting people from all over the spectrum of the, you know, in the, of Jews, you know, as, as, as independent as like singular people think we are, we're, we still vary in our opinions, in our culture. And yeah, it's been a uniting force in our community. You love to see it. Um, uh, one last question here for you, Zvi, and then I'll let you go. Um, uh, the, forgive my ignorance here, but if you are attacked on Shabbos, what are the rules around using a gun if you are attacked on Shabbos? 
in general, in Jewish law, the most important thing is saving someone's life. Even if someone is hurt or he has the ability of losing or any of his limbs getting hurt, you're allowed to violate all the rules to save the person. And obviously, if someone is under attack and his life is about to be lost, you are allowed to in your courage to do whatever you can to save people's lives. It's the same as treating someone with a heart like with a heart attack. Stopping an active shooter is the same. You're allowed to violate laws. You are condemned. And it's, a, it's considered a mitzvah to save someone's life. Life is the most important thing in the Jewish culture. And it's saving anyone's life is important. There you go, mitzvah. I love that word. Zvi Waldman, where can people find out more about your work online or perhaps get involved with your group? NYSJewishGunClub.com. There you go, Zvi Waldman. Thank you very much for your time and being so generous with it and joining us this morning. Good luck. We wish you the best. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very much. Zvi Waldman, what do you think? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show this morning or anytime, night or day, at 573-319-1586. One listener texted and says they're tired of all of the identity politics. Uh, listen, I get it. But listen, if the identity politics helps people to identify more with a cause that I see as libertarian, you know what? I'm going to take that card out and play it all day. I'm going to play it every day. It's nice to see P. Ridge, P. Ridge 62 here for the very first time today. We're glad to have you, P. Ridge. I hope you do like and subscribe to the show and come back and join us here every Monday through Friday. Make sure you click that like button and subscribe, and that way you won't forget who I am. AP for Liberty on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much everywhere. The Wake Up America show streams live. Again, every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. And if you subscribe to the channel here on Rumble.com, you won't forget to come back and join us tomorrow when you get to meet my beautiful wife, Stephanie Peterson, who's going to be joining us on Freedom Family Friday. Well, one listener texted in. looks like he sent it to me at 10 o'clock last night. He says, damn, you're a pro. You roped me in with women protesting fighting men in jujitsu, and then you knocked me out with that great Judge Knapp convo about re resisting elected Marxists. Did you see that interview that I did with Judge Knapp yesterday? You got to go back and watch it. I uploaded the whole Judge Knapp interview here on Rumble.com on my account. So definitely, if you missed it yesterday, you don't want to miss that one. So P Ridge 62, since it's your first time here today, you should go back and watch that interview with the judge. I think you'd love it. The uh, listener who texted in at 573-319-1586 he says, I'm interested to hear how you think about the foundation of natural law or where human rights or dignity comes from. By the way, many of my professors were Straussians. For those of you who aren't aware, Straussians are what you might call neoconservatives. And before you get all angry and start, we do need to have a, a talk about uh, neocons, maybe not immediately, but in a, in a little bit. But he says, by the way, many of my professors um, were Straussian, and I know of no one less neocon. Ah, you see, there you go. See, not all neocons and not all Straussians necessarily are the same. He says, he's the one who showed me pictures of Dresden and Hiroshima and asked if I could tell the difference. Well, I think I, I understand what you're saying here, um, sir, whoever is texting me there um, over there. I don't have your name, but uh, the, what a great text message, and I appreciate that. Great conversation starter. And, I don't want to get down, go down the rabbit hole right now of the firebombing of Dresden, Germany, compared to the nuking of Hiroshima, although I would love to because I love that conversation and it drives everybody bat, you know, absolutely bat bonkers insane. 
but I don't have time. And we are only just 12 minutes out from Camelia Peterson, who's joining us this morning to talk about how things are great, but no one is happy. The lovely Camelia Peterson. I'm glad to have you here, P Ridge 62. And I love your uh, little profile flag there, American Confederate. Hell yeah. Um, hello, Austin. Greg from the California Liberty podcast here. He says he's really enjoying the conversations on the Wake Up America show. He also struggles with the moral equivocation on the Israel Hamas issue that seems to emanate from leftists and also from the intersectional libertarians and Noam Chomsky lovers in the liberty movement. Oh, boy, boy, you, Greg, you have definitely nailed it. Wow, that's a great text. Let's talk more about this. I replied back to him through the text message system. And he says, I spoke to Professor Walter Block about this in my latest episode. Keep up the great work. I'd love to have you as a guest again on the California Liberty Project sometime soon. Send me the Walter Block episode. Maybe I should have Greg from the California Liberty Project podcast on the show. Don't you think that'd be good? You're welcome, P Ridge 62. We love making new friends here on the Wake Up America show, and we don't all have to agree. And what I really appreciate about the, the viewers of this Wake Up America show program is that you're going to hear a lot of things that you don't agree with this morning, but hopefully you're going to come back and we're going to have a conversation. Yes, nice big audience. And if we could get one fifth of the people to like this show, we're watching it right now. That'd be 100 likes, but we're only at 44. So click that like button and join us here on the, uh, again tomorrow morning. If you click like and subscribe, you'll know where to go. All right. Wow. Big audience. Love it. Maybe I'm going to start getting nervous. No, just kidding. Let's talk about Trump Vivek for just about 10 minutes here before we speak to Camelia Peterson, because yesterday I did an interview on the um, on Infowars, which some of you might have seen, some of you might not. But you know what? Let's just go ahead and play it and I'll react to it a little bit. Maybe I get to the Vivek part. Take a listen to this. I think Trump didn't quite understand that the deep state was going to do whatever they wanted to do, regardless of him being president or not. He thought he could reform the deep state. He thought he could fix it if he just put the smartest people in charge. But let me tell you something right now. I have never worn a Make America Great Again hat. I'm I'm a, a hard, hard liber, libertarian Republican. I vote Republican. I'm a member of the Republican Party, but I have not been a MAGA guy. But if Donald Trump puts the vice presidential candidate pick as uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who does understand the deep state, who says he wants to fire a million federal employees. If Donald Trump puts that guy as VP, I'm going to put a MAGA hat on. <laughs> oh, AP. Some of you are like, yeah. Others are like, I know there's some people who just don't like Vivek. And there are some things that Vivek Ramaswamy has done that I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of. But I have made the pledge here today, and and I will make, or I will make the pledge today, and I've made it before that I think that Vivek Ramaswamy would be a great vice presidential pick for Donald Trump. And if you don't agree, who do you think would be a better pick than Vivek Ramaswamy? He is the only one that I have seen, and that's even more than Donald Trump, to articulate the problems of the United States government and propose solutions that are limited government solutions for how we can get there to a limited government, right? He said he wants to abolish the FBI. What the hell? That's enough to get you a visit these days. Ask Owen Schroyer, speaking of Infowars. FBI, open up! Sorry, guys. Um, I promise I won't use my free speech too much. Uh, but Vivek Ramaswamy has said that he would fire a million federal employees. Do you, I mean, listen, I know that people are like, well, he's just telling you what you want to hear. Here's the problem with that argument. I'm going to debunk that argument right now. 
Nobody cares what libertarians think, okay? So why would a Republican presidential candidate like Vivek Ramaswamy say something that a minority of the Republican Party, a minority of the American people, we the libertarians, why would he say something that and just tell us what we want to hear? Why would he be pandering to a rump? Well, it's because I got a nice rump, perhaps, but <laughs> it is nice. Ask my wife. Uh, but why would he be pandering to a minority within the Republican Party? They see that argument doesn't make sense. Oh, he's just telling you what you want to hear. Well, what is here's the thing. All of the other politicians are telling me things I don't want to hear, that we need to spend more money in Ukraine. We need to get involved in the conflict of the United States between Israel and Hamas. And we need to you know, do this and we need to nation build and we need to spend billions and trillions of dollars on studying whether or not cocaine on quail have more sex. Right. We don't need to be doing those things. And unfortunately, the consensus in politics has been that we should be doing more of those things. How many Rand Pauls are there in the party? How many Thomas Masseys are there in the Republican Party? We are a, a slight minority. So hearing Vivek Ramaswamy saying things like, oh, I want to fire a million federal employees, you have to understand that not, I think the majority of Republicans, if you were to poll them, probably wouldn't agree with that. It, it, when the rubber hits the road, you know, what are we talking about here? Abolishing portions of the United States Department of Agriculture, shutting down the FBI, like abolishing the NSA, ending the Fed. That's that's a minority position. So he's if he's telling me what I want to hear, that perks my ears up because they don't have to pander to me. They don't have to pander to us. And if Vivek Ramaswamy is saying it, I believe him. I believe him. What about you? Floby Tenderson says, uh, ad loophole, ladies, buy your newest, cute out, cutest outfit from a lady that loves liberty and hates wokeness at the whitehangerboutique.com. Promo code HUBS for 20% off. That was a really good ad loophole, Floby. Think about it. Uh, because we do delete people who post their ads unsolicited in the chat. But if you donate, a rumble rant that's kind of like, you know, like Floby Tenderson has done in the chat right now. You get around the censorship of advertising, of outside advertising here, and you're actually just buying an ad. So, Floby, congratulations. You just bought a $10 ad on the show. Uh, white, TheWhiteHangerBoutique.com, promo code HUBS for 20% off. We checked out that uh, store the other day. Stephanie really loves it. A lot of cute stuff in there. Okay, let's continue. Spam video. AP on InfoWars. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I'm Chase Geyser, hosting the show today. With us the rest of the hour, we have a very special guest, a man whom I admire and adore, Austin Peterson. He is an award-winning broadcaster and the host of Wake Up America podcast weekdays from 7 to 9 a.m. Central, which you can find on Rumble. We got to change that picture. At WakeUpAmericaShow.com. Make sure you follow him on X at AP for Liberty and his website is wakeupamericashow.com. Austin, what's up, man? Are you snapping necks and cashing checks? Hell yeah, brother. I appreciate that. Thanks so much for uh, the kind introduction. Look at that. They even spelled my name right. Oh, InfoWars. Oh, InfoWars. Thank you. Nobody spells my name right. I bet you tonight I'm actually doing a debate with Dave Smith, you know, the comedian Dave Smith, more of this Israel Hamas stuff, and it's just kind of like... Uh, 
It's exhausting, but uh, but I guarantee you they're not going to start. Glad to tonight. be here and look forward to chatting with our friends at Infowars. Absolutely. So did you do a broadcast this morning already? Yeah, I just got done. We were talking a little bit about uh, women who were at a jujitsu tournament, decided to walk out when they were going to be forced to get on the mat with biological males. And I got to say, you know, it's about time. If women want st- to put a stop to this, they're the only ones who can do it. So look to see probably more walkouts like that in the future. Yeah. What is- I love it. I love it. We got 600 people watching us live. What's up? How you doing, Rumble? You love to see it. Glad to have you here. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We've got a little bit less than five minutes to go until we talk to Camelia Peterson. She's going to talk to us about why things are great and nobody is happy. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him. I love America. It's a great country. And I think that despite the fact that we've got problems, there are silver linings on the horizon. The lovely, the, the, the wonderful, the inimitable, inimitable, inimitable. Camelia Peterson coming right back. Don't go away. Visit APforLibertyShop.com during the break. Get yourself some coffee. We'll be right back. Good morning. Rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at WakeUpAmericaShow.com. How are you feeling today? It's October the 2nd, 2023. Thankful to have you here. Where's your voice in all of these debates and conversations? Well, you can have your voice heard, not just in the comments and the chat, because remember those rumble comments, the rumble chat, the live chat, it disappears after the show is over. So if you want to have your voice heard permanently for all time in historical records, send me a text and I'll read them into the show at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Constant drummer, I'll read. I just happened to see your chat. You said, AP, do you do jujitsu? I've done some jujitsu. I don't currently do it, but I've taken seminars and classes and I did it for like a very brief period, but I've never been like a long-term practitioner. I'm a Japanese and Okinawan karate practitioner. So there's your answer there. I've been doing that for God since 2006, almost 20 years of karate. Wow. Longer than I've been like in libertarian politics. Crazy. All right, well, and a fellow karateka herself, although she's not quite as skilled as myself, is Camelia Peterson joining us live right now. How you doing, white belt? Good morning. Well, I think uh, I'm trying to remember what I'm up to now. Not a white belt anymore, although I probably should back down to one. <laughs> I want to say I got my green belt. Uh, was probably my last one. I can't remember. Oh, but, wow, okay, uh, cool. Yeah, green belt. Yeah, you got to get back into it, though, CJ. I do. Good for you. Yeah, no, now that I'm kind of transitioning more towards Southwest where it's, uh, I'm hoping that it'll be easier to get back into it. I was just all over the place too much and couldn't work it in, but I definitely miss it. And it's, it is good for me. Hopefully my daughter and I both will get back into it. That's cool, CJ. We're glad to have you here. All right. Well, uh, politics is war by another measure. Uh, and certainly our time in the martial arts has taught us important lessons, like what it feels like to get punched in the face. I remember when you showed up, to the radio station with bruises all over your arm. Your sensei really kicked your ass. And Robert Robert F. Kennedy Jr. may be doing the same thing to Donald Trump. I sent you this poll here, but you weren't completely prepared for it to show that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. might be taking more away from Donald Trump than Joe Biden. Not sure I believe that. At first blush, Camelia, what do you think? Yeah, well, that's my first question for you is like where they're pulling, like who's their, who are they pulling? And I, so 
it looks like they're just kind of polling general voters. It doesn't necessarily look like they're they're you know doing one party or the other. I would assume, but I don't know. That's big, right? And so I one of the things I asked you was like, has any other third party candidate ever pulled this high like this? And the thing is, is I kind of agree that it may not necessarily pull as many from Trump as they think it is. But at the same time, I have had, you know, just kind of on the ground talking to people, I have had a lot of people who are very conservative bring him up. And I'm like, oh, really? Like people I would not expect it from. And the, and actually the vaccine is the number one thing. Now, I think whether or not that continues to be a factor will depend on how the national conversation goes on the vaccine. Because, you know, we've kind of seen um, that spike some whenever they come out talking about, oh, you know, we're going to bring back masks or we're going to do all these other things. And all of a sudden everybody is really alarmed again and they start every you hear the conversation really go up as far as like we're not going to do that and people are are talking about introducing legislation to make sure that that's prevented um that there's that this, everything that happened does not happen again so i think if that settles down and it's not an issue then it's probably much less of a factor and he doesn't do as well and doesn't pull as much from trump that's good stuff uh camelia the topic of the show today, MAGA 2.0. Uh, listen, I'm not saying that Ron DeSantis doesn't have a chance or that Nikki Haley may not come from far behind and everybody gets their act together and they manage to take out Trump. Maybe he goes to jail and everybody's like, okay, I don't pick him. If I was going to bet my own money, I would bet that Donald Trump is going to go and be the candidate. Uh, I could be wrong, but I'm just going to say that's where I would put my own money. I, I, I won't ask you to weigh in on that one because maybe you feel a different way, but Let's just assume for a moment that Donald Trump is going to be the Republican presidential candidate. Would you be happy? Would you be all smiles? Would you be all blushes and giggles, perhaps, if Vivek Ramaswamy were the vice presidential pick? Because I would be very happy. <laughs> I would. So I'm, I'm a little conflicted about this. Like I like so many of the things that Vivek says, and there's just still a little something about him that just leaves me just slightly unsettled and I can't put my finger on it, you know, and he has contradicted himself sometimes. So I'm just not sure yet. I would, um, I would like to see some, uh, some, some consistency over time from him, mm. I guess is it. Okay. And, you know, the thing is, I think when we talk about, about Trump, I'll weigh in a little bit here. And I think that you're not wrong and that it really does look like he probably has the primary tied up. What I would say is that a lot of the polling numbers that have come out that show Trump having this big lead, we don't know necessarily how they are asking those questions. So um, I have seen some um, internal polling elsewhere that um, looks at this, but really breaks it down by um, the type of support Trump has. And so you've got your you've got your people who are hardcore Trump. They are going to vote for Trump. They don't care what happens. Like the world could be burning down and he could be in jail and they will vote for him and it doesn't matter. Um, so that is like a fairly small percentage, maybe, I don't know, 15 percent, maybe less. But there are there are a lot of people in that middle range who are like they like what Trump did. Um, you know, they feel like he was wronged. Would they consider somebody else? Yes. So they're kind of soft Trump. And I think that probably the numbers that we're seeing, well, I know numbers that we're seeing come out in polls include all of those groups. 
Um, and so I'm not, you know, when it really comes down to it, I think the Iowa caucus is going to be telling. And I'm not so sure that Trump is um, really figuring that he's going to win the Iowa caucus. I think there have been some things that his team has put out that kind of feels like they're prepping the way for, you know, why they didn't win that maybe or something. So I think there's a good chance that he does not win the Iowa caucus. And we'll see how that changes polling numbers in the conversation afterward. I honestly, the more like the Iowa caucus gets uh, uh, plugged is the Iowa caucus almost never picks the winner. I can't remember the last time that the Iowa caucus actually picked the eventual winner. It was like back in 2008 when it was, again, when I was like Ron Paul hardcore, it was um, Rick Santorum. And then I think Ted Cruz won it in in 2012, right? So it's like. Well, Ted Cruz won it. He beat Trump out for it um, in yeah. 16. And that was when Trump accused Cruz of stealing that election. <laughs> mm. We've got an Iowan here. Uh, C. Sangaroth says, we Iowans want Trump. There you go. OK, well, some of them at least do. There are. And, you know, I've told you before, like I've mentioned, we've knocked a lot of doors in Iowa, um, you know, in my role with AF with Americans for Prosperity. And if people were really kind of all over the place as far as who um, they wanted going forward. And I will say, though, that the majority of people that are regularly involved in the caucus process in Iowa um, are very evangelical. And so, um, you know, there are a lot of I know that the evangelical um the evangelical segment was really behind Trump in a lot of ways in 2016, which honestly was what really turned me off um, because of the excuses they were making for him at the time. Um, but uh, I'm that support has wavered a lot. Um, so we'll see. I mean, yeah, it'll for be sure. interesting. I see our friend over on the Rumble stream, Drummer Goy, very funny name. He says the MSM has donated insane value to the Trump campaign. Donald Trump is living rent free. In the minds sure. of Americans directly due to the constant publicity, it's going to backfire big time, big la, bigly. Uh, Drummer Goy, I also see you're a monthly subscriber here on Rumble.com. Thank you for that, meaning you uh, donate to the Wake Up America show on a monthly basis. I'd love to invite those of you who are joining us here today, and maybe you've been watching the show for a while. Uh, you'd like to help support the show. We do spread the ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty five days a week, and we'd love to have your monthly support level, just like Drummer Goy. Join us right now. Become a monthly subscriber. And it's not just money for nothing and the chicks for free. Well, you know, Camelia, we don't pay her, but I'd love to <laughs> help <laughs> us help us get there, as a matter of fact, and become a monthly subscriber. And here's what you get right away. 20% discount at AP4LibertyShop.com. So if you are a monthly subscriber already and you don't have your 20% discount code, hit me up in the DMs over at Twitter.com. I'm AP4Liberty over there as well. And that's AP, the number four. AP for Liberty. And uh, I'll make sure that you get your 20% discount code. But for those of you who are on have been on the fence and are were thinking about it, if you subscribe, don't forget, hit me up, you're going to get that 20% discount code over at AP for Liberty shop.com. Nice to see Subniferum 75 joining us. You're late. What are you doing, bro? Show's been going on for an hour and 10 minutes now. All right, CJ, next topic. We're speaking to Camelia Peterson here on the Wake Up America show. Click like and subscribe. CJ, the Wall Street Journal article that I shared with you titled, The Economy is Great. Not sure about that, but they say, why are Americans in such a rotten mood? The writer says, lingering inflation can't explain all of the unhappiness 
Maybe it is referred pain from the wider world. What the heck is he trying to say? So I, I'm reading through this and I like I get what he's saying in black and white on paper. And I'm no economist. Numbers are not my strength. <laughs> but I know what I hear from people. I know what I see when I go to the grocery store. And I think, you know, it's true. Unemployment is at 3.8 percent. Like you can't pay people $15 to flip burgers right now. It is hard to find workers. Um, so, I mean, like that, that part is true. And I will say that I look around and um, it doesn't, people tell you that they're cutting back on luxuries, but sometimes I look around and it doesn't really seem like it. It seems like people are still spending. And I honestly look at it like, I don't know how people can afford to do that because I can't, but I think this is where this may come in to be a difference in, um, you know, in, in your income level. Because one thing I have heard a lot um, from talking to people at doors when we talk is the number one issue when you talk to people at doors or on the phones when they if you and you're not even giving them choices, you just say, you know, when you think about how the government affects your life, what's your top issue? And they're almost to a person, the economy or inflation it's at the top of everybody's mind. So he can say that the economy, you know, is getting better and is good, but almost nobody, that's another question I ask is like, do you think the economy is getting better? Is it, are we headed for a recession? What? And they're like, oh no, it's not getting better. And so I do think that um, it, and the, the people who do seem to be the hardest hit are the, those people who are below that, that middle class, you know, line. And they're just, there, there's no margin for those people to account for the rising price in groceries. When you're talking about groceries that have gone up 40%, I mean, it's crazy. And especially, you know, if you're in an area where you don't have a lot of different um, grocery store choices. So it's probably har harder for people who are living in rural areas. But yeah, I, you know, it is, people are definitely not feeling more optimistic. Now, do I think that he has a point with the referred pain? Yes. Um, the overall outlook for people, and I think that this bleeds over into how they um, their outlook on the economy as well, is we are constantly inundated um, by bad news. And I think that's compounded by the hyper-partisanship we see with the parties right now. Um, one of the things they mentioned in there was like one of the last um, where the Oh, the approval ratings for a president may have been back under George W. was like the highest it's been. And I was thinking about that. And no president since then, I don't think, has been that high during their presidency. But 2000, uh, September 11th, 2001, was something that I think um, brought people together and was kind of an anomaly in, in the national mindset. You know what I'm saying? And there's a not... moment. Right, right. And so that is going to bring a natural unity that is not, you know, just, I mean, it's an it's an abnormality. So I do think that the hyperpartisanship is one of those things because we can't, you know, even if there are issues that are affecting us, but they're overseas, people don't feel a connection to that. And so really all we're seeing, and rightfully so, is we're seeing our, you know, our government spending more money everywhere but here, while we have people here who are paying, you know, much higher prices on groceries and, and cars and houses. And, you know, I will tell you, one of the things in this article that really jumped out to me, I thought, I there must be something I'm not understanding about this. 
is he said that the high the um, high housing prices and the and stock prices have lifted the median household wealth by 37%. Like that's a good thing. And I'm trying to understand this because, okay, if your home value has skyrocketed, like that all of a sudden means you're doing better or you're you're more wealthy. And I'm sorry, but no, they told me, I just had to renew my homeowner's insurance. And they told me that they valued replacement value on my house at over $300,000. My house now, I mean, I know that they couldn't replace it for what its value is now, but nowhere near that. And so that also means my homeowner's insurance just went up a lot. And so I'm not more wealthy because my house is all of a sudden worth more. Those are those, that, you know, they call those um, unrealized gains for example, right? It's like the um, uh, one of the, the things that the, the Democrats are really trying to tax right now are unrealized gains, meaning that if the value of your stock portfolio increases, then you'll have to pay taxes on gains that you haven't realized, meaning you haven't sold your stock, you haven't like cashed out any of your portfolio, but you'd have to pay an, uh, a tax on an unrealized gain because the total value of your portfolio increased. It's just a nightmare. Um, but it's definitely a bright and happy sunny morning with 642 people watching us live this morning. And we're not even like the big feature on rumble.com today. I think it's, you know what happens? They come in, they see the Jewish guy and they're like, what the hell? And then they see this beautiful Midwestern uh, woman in the flannel and they're like, oh, what the hell? And then they see at 830, we're going to be speaking to Billy Binion, uh, the gay kid about queers from for Hamas. And they're really going to be like, oh, what the hell? And they're just sticking around to watch because it's such a freak show. But thanks for being the Billy. Um... <laughs> yeah, Billy's great, by the way. I'm so happy you're having him on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's uh, but the Wake Up America show is a bit of a freak show, and of course, at every freak show, you've got to have a beautiful lady. But she just she doesn't have a beard. So if you're just <laughs> tuning in, if you're tuning into the Wake Up America show, maybe she does have a beard. I don't know. I've seen. Maybe she does have a little hair on the upper lip up uh, there. It's no shave November, so we'll find out, right? No shave November. <laughs> uh, click that like button and subscribe to the Wake Up America show if you're enjoying this content you're hearing. Don't forget, if you missed the live show and you can't always tune into us live, we do have an audio podcast. We'd love to have you join us. Camilla, you've tried Founding Flavors Coffee, right? You, you've tried some of our, our new flavor. Yes. Or, yeah. yeah. What, what's your the, favorite? So I like both the Jeffersonian Java and the Thomas Paine or the Painkiller. Yeah. Um, yes. And I, you know, I used to really like dark roast coffee and I've just, I've kind of moved in the direction of lighter roast now. And I think that's why I like these two better. I got it mixed up, by the way, my apologies in the chat earlier. I was thinking that the painkiller was the lighter roast, but it's the Jeffersonian Java because I learned a while back, in fact, from somebody one time, long time ago that was commenting on something that you had posted and learned that lighter roast coffees have more caffeine. So which you're a is, drug addict. Yeah, well, no, I mean, you know, that's you make I was a terrible say that, Mormon. That's relevant for lots of people, except for me, because caffeine does nothing for me. But, you know, it's OK. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same for the same. If you haven't already, check out AP4LibertyShop.com. Try one of our delicious coffees. Like Camelia said the Thomas's painkiller is the Colombian single origin. Absolutely delicious. But I also love the Franklin's electric elixir. Uh, Jeffersonian Java is for the drug addicts out there. For the uh, those who like the right ro light roast, check it out at ap4libertyshop.com. Tolly Owens joining us here, popping in for a few minutes. What's up, Tolly? Love having you here. 
Amelia, one more topic before we let you go. Um, it's it's nice to be a mom. You've got two great kids, um, but nobody prepares you for being a mom because you were a mom before TikTok. So nowadays, moms are out there, mom fluencers, mommy bloggers, and they're telling you how to raise your kids. And for a while, it was all about the glamour of being a mom. Like I do a hundred push-ups a day, or I do a hundred sit-ups a day, and I'm still you know in great shape, and I'm a mom. Apparently, moms are sick of this now, and the new yeah. trend for momfluencers is what? Normal, like normalcy. Normie moms. What is this? <laughs> right? So, yes, yeah, so I think we saw this trend for so long, you know, with the rise of social media where everybody's putting out, you know, highly polished content, like, oh, look at my perfectly clean house. And I will tell you, like, I sometimes like to watch these these cleaning reels or the whatever, where they're like, you know, they're showing all uh, cleaning up the, and everything's like perfectly polished afterwards. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice. You're like, <laughs> where did you do that? <laughs> but no, okay. and so like, you know, <laughs> oh, sorry, it's a weird side. Um, but there's also these, you know, moms who are telling you how they're like, they've got these perfectly packed kids' lunch boxes in their bento, you know, containers. And they're putting all of their kids' clothes away in these neatly little folded things, and everything is just so. And and I think people are finally like, um, this is like, this is not my life. And they're tired of feeling bad about themselves, right? They can't relate to it. And so I think we're seeing that pendulum swing in the other direction where uh, it's become popular uh, for people to kind of just like show what like life is normally like, and it's not always perfect. And people can relate to that. And it's not perfect, but I think if people are, you're showing like what really works for you in everyday life, it's it's much easier and it doesn't make people feel, you know, feel guilty all the time. So yeah, there's, there's been some momfluencers out there now who are not worried that their houses aren't, you know, $300,000 houses with perfect cabinets and, you know, floors and whatever. And so um, they've been kind of sh uh, doing videos that show what their day is like, just normal in their normal houses, which is what the majority of Americans are living like. <laughs> yeah. Robbie Thurman says, my daughter is a mom in shape. Round is a shape. <laughs> oh, Robbie, you better be careful. <laughs> cruel, cruel, cruel. Get the yourself in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Our friend and monthly subscriber to the Chroniclers, he says modesty will make a comeback at some point. I think it's already starting, don't you? think so um it does seem like there are uh not as i'm not on tiktok yet um but there are not as many instagram influencers or maybe i just don't see them i mean it could be i just don't see them that are you know does my backside look good in the sunset photos whatever i mean i'm sure they're still out there i guess it's what you look for but <laughs> but there doesn't seem to be as much of that and i I like that because I think that women have been fooled into thinking that that's what men really want to see. I'm not saying that men don't want to see that, but I am saying that it's also very much a reality and that if you put it all out there and there's no mystery at all, like men don't want that necessarily. A little mystery is good. No, it's true. Uh, for sure. I, I, Without getting too personal, I would say that the girls who like I dated who would like put themselves all out there and just kind of like, I don't know. Trying to be careful, Camelia. Um, <laughs> the girls who were um, more generous, you might say, 
uh, I, I definitely was like, this is not like a long-term partner for sure. Um, yeah. and, and because it's important for men to have standards and that definitely is one of them, no matter how much that might infuriate the fairer sex that the ugly sex, uh, the uglier sex does have standards and it's a good thing for us. So anyways, um, I love it. <laughs> Camelia, what else is on your mind today? Well, I would just kind of like to bring us back to our original topic for a second, because mm -hmm. I think when we talk about um, how nationwide um, and culturally we are just in this um, this depression, almost it still feels Malays. like. Yes. Um, Five dollars. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I do think, you know, when you talked about what was her name the, about the, the guns earlier, Gretchen something. Uh, Gretchen Carlson. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So when you're talking about guns and she talks about all of these mass shootings and the thought that pops into my head every time is how do we define a mass shooting anymore? Like we've had this conversation, like what constitutes a mass shooting? So when you're constantly inundated by news stories of another mass shooting and everything is a mass shooting anymore, then it feels like they are like all the time and we must be going to heck in a hand basket because, you know, we're it's all the time. And so combine that with the, you know, political conflict all the time, the culture wars, like it's depressing. And I really do think that people are looking for, forgive me for this, a little hope and change. Oh, and careful with that word. No, right. But you know, I talk to people, I, one of the things that I tell people because they're like, oh, so you do a lot of like calling people on the phone and knocking doors and they're like, oh, I don't think I could do that. I don't want to do that. It's like talking to people. I'm like, you know what? Here's the thing. When I go knock on somebody's door, um, I am there not only because I'm wanting to see where they are on the issues, but I'm also there as part of my outlook to bring a little light and joy into their day because people want to feel heard. They want to feel understood. We all want those things and they want to feel like, and I think that human connection is what brings us hope and just a little, you know, like little numbers thing. And I, I may have mentioned this before, but one of the things kind of in my AFP role that we found is that last election cycle, when in the primary, the people who voted in primaries that we also had contact with at the doors, 15% of those people had never voted in a primary before. And so I think that illustrates the value of human connection. And we we have gotten so far away from that, that even if it's just like, you might think that's just something as small as like having a five minute conversation with somebody at their door that you don't know, but that can impact people's lives in ways that you may never understand. And I think we see that play out in people getting out to vote. And we want people to be more engaged in the political process and especially in primaries. Are you sure about that? Are you yes. sure about that? Are you sure about that? All right. Maybe I that's am a, sure about that. That's a debate for another day. Camelia Peterson, you can find her at x.com at rare Camelia. She is like rare, like Pepe, a very rare Camelia. Not very many like her. All right, Camelia, thanks so much for your time today. Glad to have you here every Tuesday and Thursday at this time. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks. Say goodbye to Camelia. She did a great job, didn't she? So you might have seen the news story about my tweet regarding Ben Shapiro and his love of AR-15s. Big round of applause for the clever detectives who pointed out that technically a few ranchers and animal control people did own these guns before 2004. And since we're all big fans of math, here are more numbers that seem relevant. In 1992, AR-15s composed roughly 21 in every 100 firearms made in the U.S. In 2020, almost one in five guns made here were AR-15s. 
There are now more than 20 million AR-15s in people's closets and cabinets. Oh, and there's this. In 2023, there's been 560 mass shootings in our country, and we still have two months to go. This is not normal. A world where everyone has AR-15s is just a hell of a lot more dangerous than one where we don't. We're right back with Billy Binion so about seen queers the new for Hamas. Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. How are we feeling today? It's cold out there. October the 2nd, 2023. Thankful to have a nice big audience for us today. 550 people watching us live. Man, those are good numbers. Do me a favor, will you? Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. Help us to spread the ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty. That's what I'm all about. So whenever you click like and subscribe, it's a free way to support the ideals that you care about. We love free speech and we're grateful to rumble.com for featuring us on the front page for the last like two and a half months. They like me, they really like me. And I hope you do too. So if you do make sure you subscribe so you can come back and join us every Monday through Friday here on the show, seven to nine central. Oh, and don't forget special treat tomorrow, Freedom Family Friday. My smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife, Stephanie Peterson, will be joining us on the show just like she does every Friday. And she's always fun and there's lots of hijinks and sometimes we embarrass each other and you know, it's a good time. So make sure you come back. All right, well, there's a lot of things that I don't understand in the world, okay? I stand with my brothers and sisters, my libertarian brothers and sisters in the LGBT community, but they've really gone off the rails in recent years. And quite frankly, there's been a lot of schisms in the gay rights movement about what they believe. I saw the other day that they were adding the Palestinian flag now to the LGBTQ plus IA plus flag. And I just don't understand what being gay has to do with Palestine. I don't know. You know what? Since I'm not a member of that of either of these communities, I think I'm going to bring in somebody who at least is a member of one. He's Billy Binion. He's joining us right now. He's a writer for Reason Magazine. He wrote a piece about queers for Palestine, and I'm glad to share him with you right now. Good morning, Billy. Morning. I don't get it. Explain to me, why are there queers for Palestine? Hmm, well, I mean, okay, so I think the the basic gist, the way I think about it, is that within any social justice movement, it kind of starts uh, the same way. You know, in, in any of these movements, you have people kind, kind of trying to uh, pinpoint the oppressed and the oppressor and proceed in black and white fashion from there. So because a lot of people on the left a long time ago decided that Palestine was the oppressed and Israel was the oppressor, Palestine then kind of comes to represent all the marginalized groups that a lot of these social justice movements fight for, um, sometimes for good reason, um, and Israel comes to represent the opposite. But the great irony of that, of course, is that in Palestine, LGBTQ rights, I mean, that meaningfully don't exist at all. And a lot of people who uh, face persecution in Palestinian territories for being gay or transgender um, try to seek asylum in Israel. So I think it's kind of a testament. I'm, of course, not every LGBT person is, is saying these things, but you, we've seen basically a group called Queers for Palestine protesting at some of these pro-Palestine rallies. Um, you know, queer rights, trans rights, we say no to genocide. Um, but like I said, I mean, there are lots of like really, really gruesome stories of what it's like to be gay and transgender, not only in Gaza, where Hamas controls the government, but also in the West Bank, where they don't have unilateral control. So I think a big part of it is kind of a lack of reality with the history and the reality for people in these marginalized groups that 
left kind of claims to stand for. I try not to put everything into such dark or black or white terms here, Billy, but I wonder how you would respond to this. Queers for Palestine, stupid, evil, or both? I think it's mostly stupid, to be honest. Um, I, I think that a lot of people, like in these social justice movements, they have um, good intentions, but I also think that it's just, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that you should know what, what your slogan means. You know, it's, this, it's the same kind of thing when, you know, people, I'm sure you've heard the from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And a lot of uh, protesters probably would not tell you or they would not agree that that slogan supports terrorism. <laughs> but if you are saying that directly after terrorist attacks, um, a, a slogan that essentially equates to the eradication of Israel as a state, um, I, it's kind of hard to interpret it differently. Um, it's not an excuse because I think, you know, if you are advocating for something, you should know what you're advocating for. Um, but I would like to think at least that it's not evil. Well, you would think, Billy, that liberal people would support liberal values. I mean, the attack on October 7th by Hamas w was literally an attack on a dance festival where women and men and various states of undress were out enjoying the kind of festival that they certainly doesn't even exist in, in the Gaza Strip. You would think that they would be able to see that and, and recognize that for what it is, but it's it's so strange because you have liberal women in the United States supporting the beheading of liberal women in Israel, and I don't know, the math just doesn't add up. So I guess I'd go with you on the stupid part of this one, but I don't want to discount completely write it off partially as evil, because I'll be honest, I know some of these Queers for Palestine people, and they are deliberately choosing them by trying to suggest or morally equivocate as if Israel or the United States are the greatest evil in the world. And I see that amongst even our own libertarian movement, Billy. I see a lot of libertarians out there who, uh, you know, calling themselves anti-war, at least wearing the cloak of anti-war, try and um, place a moral uh, equivocation between the United States and Israel. And as much as I have problems with the United States government, our interventionist foreign policy, the problems that I have with the, the rise of, of mega-statism, uh, and Israel being a, you know, largely socialist country to an extent, at a minimum, I can say, well, there's a difference between the values of these Western nations and those that we oppose. But the Marxists in the queers for Hamas movement, you might say, the queers for Palestine, they, they do seem to, to believe that the United States or Israel, uh, liberal as we are, are somehow far more evil than those who oppose us. Do you notice this trend? Does it surprise you? Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think the great irony of some of these, you know, of course, everyone's seeing the clips of people tearing down posters of Israeli hostages and um, some people. And I, I think it's important to, it's hard to tell how many people actually hold these views. Like, is it super on the fringe? Is it just like the, the fringiest people, like a small group of people being really, really vocal? I don't really know what the answer is. Um, but I do think there's something very ironic about a group that has spent the last, you know, several years essentially saying that, like, they exist to stand up for the vulnerable, not standing up for people who are like being burned alive and like old, old women and babies, you know, dying in gruesome ways and um, a terrorist group filming it and like showing people's families and friends by posting the murder on social media. Um, if you say you stand for a 
the oppressed or the vulnerable or the marginalized. That's really like the epitome of vulnerable and marginalized people. And I think it just kind of gets to something that I find very frustrating, frustrating about our political moment in general is that there really is room for nuance. I do believe that there are parts of the Israel-Palestine debate that are genuinely complicated, but I, in the same token, I don't think it should be hard to say, okay, so maybe people in Palestinian territories have been mistreated by the Israeli government for the past couple of decades in X, Y, Z ways, but also like terrorism is bad. And this is not a good way to go about standing up for liberation. In the, the, some of the more disturbing uh, messages to me are the ones you see like a, a Vogue staffer had this at a, um, at a protest recently, you know, liberation by any means necessary. That's just, uh, to me, that's really dark. Yeah, it certainly is. If you're, and we thought gays were supposed to be happy. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're grateful and glad to have you here. Click that like and subscribe, especially if you're enjoying the content that you're hearing right now. It's a freak show here on the Wake Up America show. We had the Jews, the New York State Jewish Gun Club earlier. We had Camelia Peterson here, and now it's Billy Binion. And I'm pretty sure Billy, Billy Binion is also a musical theater guy just like myself. I think I saw a picture of him uh, on stage as well. So if you love the carnival of the, the circus, you're in the right place. Click subscribe and you get everything you can from an economic freedom and personal liberty point of view uh, and that you don't get anywhere else. Uh, Billy, speaking of uh, carnival or a circus, LGBT movement really has kind of, I mean, it's developed a lot of schisms over the last few years. My brother, Justin Peterson, you know, gay as the day is long, uh, considered himself kind of a left liberal his whole life um, and, you know, voted Democrat his whole life, voted Republican for the first time in his life in the last election because of the massive sort of earth shattering changes that the LGBTQIA plus has undergone in, in previous years. I, there's TERFs, trans exclusionary radical feminists, people who say that the, you know, it's LGB, drop the T, right? I mean, do you, do you identify with any of these separatist movements within the LGBTQ plus community? Or what are your mm. thoughts on, the, on, on the, LG, the state of the movement writ large, if you will? I don't have super strong feelings about it. I mean, I guess I would say that at least in the context of this debate, um, I know a lot of people in the LGBT community sort of think that your politics, should, that should be the seed from which all of your politics grow, all your politics grows. And I don't really, um, I don't really subscribe to that. And I think that that is why this moment is kind of greatly ironic, because if you do say that your identity kind of drives your ideology and your worldview, and I don't knock people who feel that way, I just personally don't. But if you do feel that way, then it's a little weird that you're cheering on a regime that would kill you for having one of these protests in Palestinian territories. I'll give you one more example. When I made that video um, attached to that, the piece you saw, we, we made a video for reason, and I heard from someone I hadn't heard from in a while um, uh, from when I was working in DC. And she essentially was like, you know, well, actually, Israel is, is fascist towards LGBTQ people because, you know, Bibi Netanyahu has called pride parades vulgar. And, you know, she gave a few examples. So that was her main one. And I wanted to be like, girl, they had a pride parade. Try having a pride parade in the Gaza Strip. Like, sure. I mean, people can take issue with Netanyahu. I know he is kind of a Trumpian figure that is very polarizing. And, and I don't know people are allowed to have their own views on that. Of course, like they're allowed to have their own views on anything, but 
to compare the two, Israel and Palestine, in this way, it's, I mean, it's just kind of silly. It's a silly exercise because there's no contest. If you actually want to use the word fascist, which the, the word is like totally lost meaning, and I try not to use it at all anymore because of that. But if you actually want to use the word fascist, it would apply ironically to Hamas and the Gaza Strip. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, it, who it, are right. Yeah, they, they, um, I, I just, it, it is fascinating. You know, it was just six months ago in the last, you know, few years, it's all, you know, punch a Nazi, punch a Nazi, punch a Nazi. Uh, and, uh, and all of a sudden, it seems like it's a target rich environment, and yet there is no Nazi punching going on. <laughs> if you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, I'm speaking to Billy Binion. He wrote a piece at Reason Magazine about queers for Palestine. We're talking a little bit about that. But, uh, on a tangential related note, Billy, I noticed that you wrote an article about the um, Matthew Shepard murder. Uh, I, this is something that really shaped the late 1990s, specifically for people like myself. I grew up in the 1990s, especially in the theater world. So, of course, the gay community being perhaps overrepresented in that community. Uh, everybody in my circles was talking about the killing of Matthew Shepard and the under and at least the initial understanding of this was that this was an anti-gay hate crime, which surprised the hell out of me when I read your article at Reason.com that you say it wasn't an anti-gay hate crime. What's the news? Yeah, so essentially in 2013, this um, very prominent journalist named Stephen Jimenez, who himself is gay, um, was he was writing a book uh, over the previous few years, I think in preparation for a screenplay on Matthew Shepard. And so he went into it very much supporting the narrative that, um, you know, the, the crime for your audience who is not familiar with it is that um, in the 90s, I think it was 1998, um, two men in Laramie, Wyoming, um, kidnapped Matthew Shepard, who was this like very, I think he was like 5'2", um, very petite, kind of unintimidating, gay man um and they beat him to death and tied him to a fence and he was like and he was found the next morning frozen to death um you know tied to the fence of the of someone who passed and thought he was a scarecrow anyways very gruesome way to die and it kind of captured the attention of the country and one of the murderers tried to claim the gay panic defense which basically i mean which very silly legal defense that is not really used anymore, um, where he claimed initially that Matthew Shepard had touched his knee and flown into a rage and descended into madness and killed him. And the killing was justified for that reason. The judge wouldn't let him use that at court, at trial. Um, and the two men in question were convicted. But anyways, in 2013, after doing this long investigation, it turns out that Matthew Shepard and um, specifically one of the two murderers had been really involved in the drug trade. Um, with like many thousands of dollars of methamphetamine. And um, the two were actually lovers. And uh, one of the murderers had worked as a gay prostitute. Um, so the disagreement, it turns out, uh, had been over drugs and money. Um, and this narrative kind of took shape after his death uh, because it was kind of this perfect storm moment. We were talking a lot about hate crimes at the time. Wyoming was kind of cast in the national press, you know, as this like Hickville. Um, and it's a narrative that has held, uh, shape for 25 years, despite the fact that there is a lot of evidence now that it essentially was an argument over drugs. 
Um, it's something that one of the murderers actually said in an interview with the Associated Press in 2018. This this person, his name is Russell Henderson. Um, he is very apologetic. Of course, that doesn't make it okay. But in this interview, he was like, yeah, I mean, we did it because there was a disagreement over our meth sales. Um, and and like I said, one of the other, Aaron McKinney, um, who also participated in the crime, and Matthew Shepard had a longstanding sexual relationship. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's that's something because President Biden on the 25th anniversary was talking about this and about how um, it shows that, you know, it's sometimes people aren't, aren't kind or uh, accepting of people simply for being who they are. And I think that's kind of an insidious narrative because I grew up, I was born in 91. So I also grew up hearing about this uh, murder and it was kind of used as a way to be like, not in a way that, I, not in an evil way, like we're talking about, maybe the intentions were good, but in a way to be like, gay people aren't safe. You know, like people will hurt you for being who you are. And I do believe homophobia exists. Like that's not a, a, a myth, but I think it's wrong to take these events out of context to be like, you know, look over your shoulder because you could be next was kind of the subtext. And I mean, it's historical revisionism, which even if it furthers the narrative you want, it's just never okay. Fascinating conversation here with Billy Binion from Reason Magazine. Billy, it looks like you got some big fans over on the chat. They're sharing your twitter profile they're sharing your work over there at reason.com thank you camilla for doing that uh um, appreciate that very much for but for those who might not be able to see the chat or might be listening to us later on the audio version of this podcast billy would you mind just sharing where people can find out more information about you or follow you uh, online yeah sure so um my name is billy binion which is my real name even though it sounds like a cartoon character um i am an editor at reason so reason being the libertarian magazine reason.com and then I'm on Twitter, X, whatever, at Billy Pinion. <laughs> hey, Billy, uh, you've got a really even-handed take on things. I like your intellectual honesty. Thanks for being generous with your time this morning, getting up so early and joining us today. We appreciate you very much. Yeah. And keep up the good Thanks work. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much. That's Billy Pinion. What did you think? Send us a text. 573-319-1586 is the text line. You can send us a text again. 573-319-1586. Well, Joe Biden and Vladimir Zelensky gathered together for a meeting the other night on Halloween night. Take a look. <laughs> they took all of the candy. Oh, no. Come on, guys. Leave some for the rest of us. You guys see this video of people going in and... What do you think about that, right? That's the that was a big question the other night on Halloween night about whether or not you when you go up you take more than one candy. And it looks like they left out the big candy bars here. You can see Joe Biden going into the you know, they're taking all the tax candy. Vladimir Zelensky. There we go. They're taking all that. They got the big ones. Yeah. Yeah, taking all the candy. They're just stocking it up. Right. Do you, like if you saw adults like this? coming out and grabbing all your candy like that is that kind of, here's the, my, the thing is it the fault of the person who is it the fault of the person who left the candy out right i'm just curious what your thoughts are on that one i'd love to hear your thoughts on the whole they took all of the candy uh narrative on that one so thank you by the way because one of our listeners who texted in this morning at the text line is the one who sent us that um 
who sent us that video. I can't, it doesn't have your name on there. So thanks for that remix. All right. Uh, in the waning uh, moments of the Wake Up America show, very briefly before uh, I lose the opportunity to do so, I do want to remind you that not only do we have delicious coffee at AP4LibertyShop.com, and I know that you're like, Austin, you're beautiful. I love you, but I don't want your coffee. Well, here's the thing. If you don't want Austin Peterson's coffee, just FYI, we have a whole heck of a lot more than just coffee at AP4LibertyShop.com. We've got amazing shirts, like all gun laws are an infringement, which I think is absolutely beautiful. Look how sexy it makes this model look. It was definitely not AI generated. You can get these shirts at AP4LibertyShop.com and really funny shirts like this one. So here's George Washington and it says, hey girl, on a scale of 1 to 1776, how free are you tonight? Uh, I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> Definitely a great conversation starter. And that's an AP for Liberty Shop exclusive. I made that one myself. I have one more Donald Trump toilet brush. Just one more. So if you want a Donald Trump toilet brush, I'm going to sell this last one and then I'm not buying any more. So if you would like a Donald Trump toilet brush, you can get one today. And that is it. I got one brush and then one and they're gone. So if you want this Donald Trump toilet brush, they are almost sold out. Uh, so get yourself one, that one uh, Donald Trump toilet brush. They'll be gone. Don't tread on me shirts for the ladies. I know they like the V-necks. We have the V-necks as well. All kinds of great stuff over there at AP4LibertyShop.com. That's AP number four, AP4LibertyShop.com. Dot com. Let's continue with my InfoWars It's one thing earlier. when the competitions aren't fair for like a swim meet or something. Oh, don't do this. Don't do this. Come on, guys. Give me that Alitarianism on the on. rise. Right? Wars and rumors of wars if we're going to get biblical here. And God, we can only hope that the United States can avoid the pressure that is coming from so many angles to get involved and to provoke another conflict. You know, I, a lot of people, they don't have faith that Israel can conduct proper security without a uh, big brother or big sis sister telling them what it is that they need to do. I mean, so many mistakes have been made by American interventionism in the past in telling Israel how to handle his foreign policy. If the international community didn't hate Israel so much and were doing everything they could to stop them from defending themselves, I think Israel wouldn't have these kinds of problems. But, you know, with the, you know, the World Economic Forum, with the globalists, with, you know, the George Soros types, right, the Klaus Schwab types, and with the rampant anti-Semitism around the world, the international community Oh, come on, InfoWars. Give me some internet here, please, for the love of God. I still have to say, I think that was quite brilliant, AP. Quite brilliant. Yes, and if you want to watch that interview with me on InfoWars, I do have that uh, over on my Twitter account. It's uh, a Trump Vivek ticket would turn libertarians MAGA. I have made the pledge that if Donald Trump picks Vivek Ramaswamy for his vice presidential pick, that I'm going to, on this show and nowhere else, unless. Uh, it's after I wear it on the show. I have a Make America Great Again hat in the studio. And if he picks Vivek, I will wear the MAGA hat. Now, over at my shop, I have a Make Taxation Theft Again hat, which I like to wear around in public because people are like, oh, Austin, it looks like a Make America Great Again hat. Ha ha ha. But it says Make Taxation Theft Again, right? So it's my libertarian view of a... Um, it's my libertarian, you know, take on the MAGA hat. But I will wear the MAGA hat if he picks Vivek Ramaswamy. Why do you like Vivek Ramaswamy? 
because he more than any, he's the most libertarian, at least sounding from all of them. And I know you guys are like, how do you trust him? He's a snake and all this stuff. Well, I don't completely trust any politician, right? I don't completely trust Donald Trump. I don't completely trust lots of people that I think that are pretty good. I don't completely trust Mike Lee. Even uh, Thomas Massey has made a few votes that I'm kind of like, mm, that's sus, right? So never put your trust 100% in a politician, obviously, obviously. But I still, I think that if Donald Trump picks Vivek Ramaswamy, it shows that he recognizes where his base is at. And I think it shows where he wants the country to go. I mean, compare Kamala Harris to Vivek Ramaswamy. Are you going to try and tell me or convince me right now that that would not be a humongous, massive freaking upgrade? Tell me now. Tell me now. Would you like to see Vivek Ramaswamy as vice presidential, as the vice president versus Kamala Harris? You know you would. Don't you lie. And I know the, the, the uh, DeSantis supporters are out there right now and they're wailing and they're gnashing their teeth. I get it. Listen, you have reason to cause to be upset. It's just, it's not his time. But listen, I want to support Ron DeSantis for president, just probably not in this election, but maybe next time, right? So, but it's also good. The reason why I like to support Vivek is because I think that we should have a bench, right? We should have a bench and we should say, hey, look, it's time for us to look at the next generation and who's the person who's going to get a, a, you know, do we need to support? Because if they don't win for whatever reason, then you could say, hey, look, we've got, um, we've got a, a bench of somebody who could run for Senate, or maybe he could run for governor of a state, right? So Vivek might be a good senator. He might be a good congressman or a governor of a state. So we need to, uh, we need to support young Republicans like Vivek who have the, the points of views that we want to see a in order for us to grow our movement. We want more people to come out and support our ideas of economic freedom, and personal liberty, don't we? It's that sound again. The sad sound. No, not that sad sound. Sad the show is over sound. Did you like the show today? I think you did. You have no idea how much friggin' work it takes to put this thing together. You think all these guests just fall out of thin air? So do me a favor, would you? Click that like button and subscribe to the channel just as a small favor. Please, sir, could I have some more? Could I have a crumb, a crumb of a like, a crumb, a crumb of a subscribe? Or how about you subscribe to the Wake Up America show on our audio podcast as well. Help support the show. Help us to grow. Help us to support the ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty. We work so hard to bring you a great show five days a week. Tonight, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, me, Dave Smith, debate Israel-Hamas, NAP, libertarianism, anti-war, aggression, non-aggression, all that stuff should be good. So if you're looking for that debate, you want to hear that tonight? I would suggest you follow me on Twitter so that you can find it because I'll obviously post it and everybody's going to be arguing and fighting and, you know, at the end of the day, we'll all hate each other even more than we do already. <laughs> but if you want to hear that debate, you're going to want to go to AP, uh, you're going to want to go to AP for Liberty on Twitter. Go to AP for Liberty on Twitter and you'll be able to, uh, to find that debate because I will, of course, post it everywhere. Okay? Okay, there you go. Thanks so much for watching us. See Sangaroth, first time viewer, you rock. P Ridge 62, love this live stream very much. Hope to be back for the next one. You rock. Definitely come back tomorrow because my smoking hot redhead libertarian wife is going to be here with us. It's a good one. Glad you enjoy it. We come back tomorrow on the Wake Up America Show. WakeUpAmericaShow.com.